the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Today's guest, Michelle Phillips, believes that beauty is not a size, it's not a specific look, or a certain age. According to Michelle, beauty is an attitude. Michelle inspires women to look and feel their best. She's a women's empowerment coach and best-selling author of The Beauty Blueprint. Michelle has appeared as a host and correspondent on HGTV, HSN, QVC, Oxygen, and The Daily Buzz, among others. Her popular beauty segment airs on TV shows across the country. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to be here, Joan. Thanks for having me. Well, I am so excited to have you back on the show. The first time you were here, I think, was about a decade ago. So, you know, we really have to talk to each other more often. I know. It's been way too long. I was so excited to have you on my show recently. And just, I mean, it it felt like yesterday that we had talked, even though it had been so long ago. Yeah, and we'll talk more about your show, Beauty, Love, and Transformation, a little bit later on in this show, because I want to start off by letting our listeners learn a bit about you. In addition to what I mentioned in the introduction, you've shared your message on speaking tours with Shark Tank's Barbara Corcoran, Suzanne Summers, as well as the Hey House, I Can Do It tour with icons like Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay. So you've really, really had an amazing career. So Let's start off with, how did you get started with all of this? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I started off as a makeup artist behind the scenes, working for like CBS, CNN, Fox, NBC, you name it. I was working with like very um, top leaders, like world leaders, as well as um, movie stars. And But primarily, my focus was working with newscasters, like such as Dan Rather, Katie Couric, Connie Chung. And um, eventually, I was asked to be on camera. I'm dating myself, but it was way back in the early, you know, 2000s uh, when HGTV and the Style Network started to become popular. Um, CBS wanted me to start doing segments to help women um, with beauty and style tips. And so, as I was out and about in the community in Tampa, where I live and where I was shooting most of these segments, I was meeting women who were sharing with me not only you know what was going on in the world of beauty and fashion here locally but i was being introduced to women who had incredible stories of overcoming adversity and it wasn't just what they had overcome it was how and the support they received from others and primarily through a lot of nonprofits. and um, when you become like a tv personality next thing you know you know a lot of these groups reach out to you to mc and host their events and such and um, and so I just I was like so in, amazed at these women's stories that I wanted to start doing like makeovers for women, um, you know, for their outer beauty, but really highlight the stories of who they were, who they you know, what they went through and how they overcame their challenges um, to inspire others, because I was so inspired. That's kind of how I really started to transition into the inner beauty aspect of what I do. Michelle, when you and I first met, 
when your book, The Beauty Blueprint, came out, we were both going through similar situations in our lives. We were, you know, there were a lot of challenges that we each had to overcome. And you're talking about these women inspiring you, but you're an inspiration to them because of what you've survived in your life. So would you share a little bit of that with us? Yeah. And and so through that journey of working with these women, I was invited to a women's seminar called Get Up Out of Your Chair and Dance. It was a women's empowerment seminar. And I, you know, sat down front row and I'm listening to the first speaker who's a life coach. And she said, you know, can you get out a piece of paper to, you know, to the entire room of like 200 women? And she said, write down the answers to the following questions. Number one, who are you? And I'm like, um, I'm a mom, I'm, you know, which makes me a nurse and, you know, um, a, a chauffeur and a cheerleader. And I'm thinking of all my roles, right? And then I'm a makeup artist and I'm a wife. And, you know, and, and she said, for those of you that are writing down your roles, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, who are you? And then she went on to say, you know, what do you love to do? What are your passions? What are your you know, deep desires. And I was just like, is she kidding me? Like, or she's talking about my to-do list. And I could see, you know, as I was looking around the room, everyone was stumped. People, I mean, women were in tears, including myself. I ran to the bathroom, looked in the mirror and just was like, oh my gosh, what happened to me? You know, I have everything I, I want. But on the outside, looking in, my life is perfect. I had this great career, these amazing children, three little beautiful children. Um, But what nobody knew was that I was married to an alcoholic who um, I just kept thinking if I loved him more and if I did more to, you know, to make him happy, that he would change. And he would, you know, have these outbursts of anger. And, you know, my kids and I would never know what was going to happen next. We were always walking on um, eggshells. And so it was at that moment that I realized that I wanted to figure out who I am and I wanted to start living my life according to who I am. And I didn't even know who that was. So I signed up for this life coaching program, which ultimately completely changed my life. And I ended up leaving that marriage. And like a month after I left, I lost my job at the TV station because it was like 2006 and, you know, the, the whole economy was <laughs> crumbling and they couldn't afford me anymore. And so here I was like, what am I going to do? But they said, you know what, but we have a morning talk show that we're actually starting. Um, we'd love for you to host that. If you can't do the makeup artist, you know, gig and the, and the you know, reporter gig, we would love for you to do this. And I thought, oh, awesome. People that are on TV make money, so I'll make a lot of money. And so I'll, I'll just do that. And so um, I said yes, and I accepted. And then next thing you know, what they offered me financially was basically what I would make flipping hamburgers probably at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So here I was. I had very little money to support me and my three kids. I was living off credit cards. And when those ran out, I applied for food stamps because my ex-husband was being a jerk and was financially um, trying to cut me off from everything. And I was just, I was in the middle of a nightmare, like in my life, I thought, what did I, have I done? Did I make a, the wrong decision? Maybe I should have stayed. Maybe it would have been easier, even if I was in that abusive situation. And then my best friend called and told me she had um, stage four cancer and um, six months to live. And then I felt pretty small, like, who am I to sit here and think about my issues? I have none. Because I have my kids, I have my health, and I need to start practicing what I learned in that coaching school mm-hmm. and stop thinking about it. And when I did, Joan, my life like dramatically changed. And it was about taking those steps that I teach in my book now um, of really getting clear about who you are and what you want and stop being the people pleaser, um, learning how to take extreme good care of yourself and create a life that you don't have to escape from and a a sense of security for yourself and really focusing on healing me. And when I did, everything shifted and unbelievably, like next thing you know, I'm working with Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer and I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. what happened in my life? How did this happen? 
but it was because I was in alignment with me. Um, and it's not an easy journey, but um, one so worth taking. The story that you just shared, it's such a common story for women in one variation or another. You know, we, we mm-hmm. tend to give so much of ourselves to others, to the people we love, that we lose sight that we're a person and we have needs and yeah. we have capabilities. And, you know, it's when you have that aha moment when you wake up, like I call it, wake up one day and say, what about me in all of this? It's a scary time. And, you know, and also as women, we get all these messages of what a beautiful woman looks like, what a successful woman looks like, you know, and it's very difficult to live up to the expectations of what we're supposed to be. And what I love about your messaging is that beauty starts on the inside. You know, you, you've made your career working in the beauty industry, making people look beautiful on the outside. But I love that you're taking it inside and and helping people to see that that's really where it starts. Yeah, because I think for years, you know, everyone's talking about inner beauty. And no one that I've worked with really, like a lot of people will be like, oh, that's nice. You know, and (laughs) they think, oh, yeah, it comes from within. Well, now I feel as if our culture is starting to catch up with the messaging um, that I've been sharing and some others too, because I've been, I've spent 25 years making people look a certain way and it didn't matter how great they looked. They would look in the mirror and tear themselves apart. Even some of the most incredible, you know, well-known personalities that are, you know, aesthetically what we would call beautiful um, but yet some of the most incredible, I think, attractive, you know, incredibly attractive people I've worked with are women like Condoleezza Rice or, you know, who who actually, you know, they are they know who they are and they um, unapologetically, you know, live their lives. And and because they do so, they are coming from a, a sense of deep self-worth and, and and they're empowered and they don't no one else can take away who they are and so that to me is what inner beauty is it's it's finding the beauty in yourself at all times even when it's difficult you know embracing our flaws embracing um you know the way we were raised sometimes all of us have our stuff because we've been you know raised to think certain things right so my dad was always like who are you to be a makeup artist like how are you gonna make it in Hollywood like and then when I made it (laughs) and then I was like I'm gonna be on TV and my dad was like how are you gonna be on TV you're a makeup artist and you know what he really loved me and always wanted me to have like a safe job and go to college and like be you know a lawyer or something, but Mm -hmm. I always took this path that he thought was just like crazy because back in 1980, there was no such thing as women wanting to be makeup artists. We didn't have YouTube or anything like that. So what I'm just saying is we have all these voices in our heads from not only our upbringing, but our society and our culture that are constantly, um, we don't feel like we can keep up with and we don't feel like we're good enough. We feel like we'll never measure up. And so what I teach women to do is deprogram that and um, program, reprogram themselves to understand they are enough um, and always capable of anything you desire. And it's just amazing when I coach women, you know, and, and they're like, they feel so great after we're done with a session. And I, all I feel like is I just sat here for an hour and reminded you of who you are. You know, mm-hmm. I take the people through exercises, of course, to discover that. But really, I feel like my job is to hold up a mirror to women and help them realize how incredible they are. And that's just what inner beauty is. Michelle, you and I are both believers in pushing the negative thoughts aside, our own and, and what other people say to us as well. And you just shared the story of what your dad said to you. And my ex-husband told me that I was making a fool of myself and everyone was laughing at me. So was there ever a time in your career, was there ever an experience or something that happened to you that made you want to give up and just say, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm done? And if there was, how did you overcome that? How did you move forward? That's such a good question, Joan. Because I think it happens to me at least once a year. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm 
always taking on new things, right? Cause yeah, but that's the best. Changing, so. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, you know, the first time I was a makeup artist on a set, I remember, you know, being sick to my stomach and not being able to sleep all night. And then I just showed up with no sleep and I, I did it, you know, and I did well. Same thing with being on TV. I used to get sick. I mean, because I'm such a perfectionist, you know, a lot of times, it's, you know, it's that never good enough, that good girl syndrome. I always want to be like, you know, show up and be really good and, and all that stuff. And so, um, so, yeah. And, and so I, my, what I have to do is I have to remind myself of what I have accomplished, that I have what it takes. And I do this exercise with other women where I just, you know, like, for example, I just started a new live stream show on Facebook live and you know, it scares the heck out of me because I'm all by myself talking live on camera and I don't have a camera crew around me with all the stuff that I'm used to. So my point is, I feel like um, the the best way to go through that and, and still persevere is write down like something that you were faced with, whether it be personal or professional. And, you know, you actually going into it thought you'd never, ever make it through or do well and then you did and then what is it that it took your strengths your talents everything your resources support to actually accomplish that or get you know overcome that obstacle some for some people it can be a health challenge and it's just we, we just need to constantly remind ourselves that we are capable and you know what not everything's going to work out and that's okay too because there's no such thing as failure because all of our experiences teach us whether we actually want to do something um, anymore or not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's some things I've done where I go, okay, that was bad. <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. But I'm sure you get that too. I mean, um, I think we all do. I don't know, but yeah, all the time. I, I hate to speak for you, but no, yeah. no, absolutely, all the time. But the the key is to not let it stop you because we all right. fear you know, this word failure, I hate that word, but we all fear things not working mm -hmm. out the way we expect them to. But, you know, as I'm sure you'll agree, when it doesn't work out the way we want, it's not the end of the world. We just pull up our big girl pants and move on. And that's the key yeah. to continue moving that's forward. And not to beat ourselves up. You know, right. that's exactly what you said, you know, with your husband. I, I completely get that, you know, when your husband said, you know, you're making a fool of yourself or, you know, my ex-husband did that too, you know, not his exact words, but I feel like as long as I'm beating myself up, right. I'm going to attract people who are going to treat me the same. Mm -hmm. And words only resonate if it's your thought already. So I was already thinking yeah. I was making a fool of myself. So when he said it, I agreed with him. You know, 99 right. other people could have been cheering me on, but because his thought aligned with my thought, I believed him. Yep, exactly. And that was that, the key, I think, for example, of um, not having those negative people in our lives is to work on our negative thoughts about ourselves. And it's not just our thoughts, too. It's also, you know, our actions. I've been, you know, doing a lot of work lately to even a little deeper work. I'm always in self-improvement mode. Not, you know, like I'm constantly needing to fix myself, but I just do <laughs> feel like, you know, if I'm coaching other women, I also want to make sure that I'm walking my talk, you know, and sometimes it's not just the thoughts we think it's like, okay, am I actually doing things that are taking care of me? Right. You know, am I, am I taking care of my body? Well, am I getting enough sleep? I mean, you know, just there's things that, if I don't do those things, then I'm not going to think good thoughts, you know, because I'm not going to feel well. So there's, you know, it's just a whole a holistic approach. So, Michelle, you have a new show, Beauty, Love and Transformation. And I'm so happy to say I was a recent guest. We had so much fun. And I invite our listeners to check that episode out on your YouTube channel. But tell us about the program. Yes, you were a guest, and it was such an awesome show, by the way. We, I had such great feedback, and women saying, thank you so much for sharing our, your stories. So you're just you're such an inspiration, Jen, so thank you for that. And um, I, I created this show um, 
when the, the pandemic started, I had some, you know, I do a lot of work on television around the country. And um, I just decided that I wanted to start a live stream show uh, and introducing people to a lot of incredible new thought leaders, inspirational leaders, authors, um, people who have been have made a huge influence in my life and the work that I'm doing today. And um, and so I reached out to all of these great authors that I've worked with from Hay House, and I was a Hay House author on the I Can Do It tours, and um, other people such as yourself who supported me in my career, you know, back when I became an author and speaker and everyone's saying yes. And I'm so excited because these shows are so impactful because what we're doing is we're providing the tools for people to improve their mindset, improve their health, boost their mood, boost their self-esteem so that they actually have the tools um, to create a happy, joyful, fulfilling life because it is possible. And, you know, the only people I'm asking to be on the show are the people who have actually done it and not people who are just, you know, talking and, and sharing tips that, you know, actually haven't been through difficult times in their lives and overcome too. And so I just, I, it, it's something that in my heart just, it felt so important to do right now um, with all that we're going through in our planet, you know, just people are hungry for hope and inspiration and I think they you know they need the tools and Michelle where can our listeners go to get more information about you and all of your work oh thank you michellephillips.com so Michelle I can't believe we're out of time um you and I need to do a three-hour summit somewhere and just be together and share because it goes by so quickly and it's never yeah, enough time. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me, Joan. Such an inspiration to me, too. Thank you for all you do. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. today is Dr. Mohammed Biden, a Mayo Clinic neurosurgeon and the medical director of the Mayo Clinic Neurosurgical Registry. Dr. Biden is the author of Back and Neck Health. He is here today to discuss ways to prevent and correct back and neck pain. Welcome, Dr. Biden. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for um, having me today. Doctor, you say that back and neck pain is among the top reasons that people see their doctor. What are the most common types of back and neck pain? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, so thank you. It's absolutely, you know, 80% of people in the course of their lifetime will have very serious back or neck pain such that it necessitates medical attention. So it's something that's very, very prevalent. The vast majority of people will experience it. The number one reason to see your doctor is back pain. The number three reason is neck pain. So it's two of the top five reasons uh, to see your doctor. And the causes uh, can be, you know, a variety of things. So it could be something traumatic. It could be something uh, that's uh, degenerative or, or, you know, sort of arthritis and ongoing arthritis. It could be work-related injury. It could be, you know, a fall, a car accident. Um, So there's really a number of 
different uh, causes, and then the treatments differ based on those different causes, of course. And what are the usual ways that we treat this type of pain? So uh, a few things. First, the most common treatments are uh, non-operative. And so many people, you know, often think that, uh, you know, you have a back issue, it's going to mean I need surgery. But no, in fact, the most common uh, treatments are going to be non-surgical, non-operative treatments. And so that's very important to keep in mind. And, and some of those things are going to be things like physical therapy, uh, time and rest, uh, sleep hygiene, uh, maintaining uh, good weight, uh, uh, injections, acupuncture, chiropractic care. And then um, if you do have to have surgery, you know, those, th- those areas have advanced very uh, dramatically. And we have many more options today than we did even five, 10 years ago related to minimally invasive surgery, related to, to robotic surgery. And so there's many sort of newer uh, options and treatment modalities that are available today than what we had before. Doctor, you mentioned that injury can be a cause of, of back and neck pain, and that's what we usually think is our cause. But what about lifestyle? What about stress and worry in our mental state? What role does that have in pain? Yeah, lifestyle is a very important driver and component of this. And so, um, uh, in fact, you know, many stress it can be a major cause and propellant of pain. Uh, poor sleep hygiene, poor sleep, uh, poor sleep posture. So you're, you know, you're sleeping with your neck overly flexed or overly rotated um, versus uh, having good uh, sleep posture. All of those things can exacerbate uh, back and neck pain. Is it a good idea to examine that before you begin a medication protocol or even surgery? Should we be looking at the way we're living yeah. first? Yeah. Absolutely. So, and, and that's why, you know, things normally with the back or neck don't get to surgery. Uh, the vast majority of things can be managed on operatively, but, but absolutely. Some of those preventative uh, things that we can do, uh, adjustments in terms of lifestyle and how uh, people approach their lives, those are very important things that could be done um, with back or neck and could help, you know, help resolve the issue as well. Does dehydration play a role in pain? Yes, yeah, so de- dehydration can impact things systemically. And so if you're uh, dehydrated, you could feel more tired, you could feel more sort of aches and pains. So yeah, absolutely. I think being well hydrated and preserving good hydration is very important uh, for uh, the back of the neck. What role does exercise have in recovery? How does that help us? Well, so right. So this is an area we go through this in a lot of detail. So A, if you have pain related to movement and exercise, then you should stop doing those to allow that muscle to heal so that you can go back to doing it eventually. But, you know, we, we don't want to exacerbate the injury. Um, having said that, there's other types of back and neck issues where a little bit of physical therapy is going to be very helpful to you as long as it doesn't cause pain. But what you'll find in the book, and this was one of the reasons that we put it together, you know, there's more, there's Mayo Clinic guides to everything, to a number of different diseases. This is our first book for a Mayo Clinic guide to back and neck pain. And the reason that we did it is we, we saw that there was sort of a big gap out there. There wasn't great comprehensive information on how to manage this. Two, it's so common. Everybody's going to have a problem with it. And three, you know, not everybody can be treated at Mayo, although we want to be as accessible as possible. And so we wanted to provide our top expert guidance um, uh, and, and treatment modalities so that people can understand them and see them, um, even if they're not, you know, directly at Mayo Clinic. And so some of the things that we go through are the exact posture, the way to sit, the way to stand, the exact exercises that you should and shouldn't do, when you should and shouldn't do them. And those are things that often we only provide when you physically come to Mayo, but we wanted to provide them in this book, given how common uh, some of the problems around this are. Doctor, in general, when someone injures his or her back or neck area, what is the the best initial home treatment? Is it taking an NSAID like an Advil and then ice? Yep. So the most common the most common injuries are going to be a specific muscle related, and you're going to have some inflammation probably around that muscle. In that setting, I think it's fine to do rest 
to take an anti-inflammatory like an aspirin or an ibuprofen or naproxen um, and to put some ice um, on the back. I think all of those are perfectly fine treatments. The things that would make me think something more severe or concerning is happening are things like pain that goes from the back into the leg. That would make me think maybe there's a nerve root that's being impinged. Weakness of the leg or of the ankle, that would make me more concerned. Um, back pain that's so excruciating that you can't stand or walk. And, and those are a variety of things that, you know, I think would warrant, you know, calling your doctor and telling them. Um, but if it's very specific, you know, you can pinpoint it to a specific muscle, then I think it's very appropriate to get some rest, uh, take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and try some ice. I, I think those would be very appropriate treatments for that. Dr. Biden, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time and for having me today. We'll be right back. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. At the age of five, today's guest, Anna Ramonde, had a profound experience that changed her life. According to Anna, she was visited by Mary, the Blessed Mother of Jesus. Now, decades later, Anna shares some messages of clarity and comfort that she says she has received. Anna is a spiritual advisor and grief counselor. She's the author of the book, Conversations with Mary, Messages of Love, Healing, Hope, and Unity for Everyone. Welcome, Anna. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me on. So, Anna, when one of my colleagues told me about your book, I knew that I wanted to speak with you because I thought the story was fascinating. You say that when you were five years old, you were visited by the Blessed Mother. When did you first remember this visit, and what did you believe it was? I think I I recognized it at that time, although I was only a small child. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just, you know, kind of out of the blue. I was in the backyard, my suburban Long Island home. I, you know, squeezed myself into an old, I guess, grotto that used to hold the statue of Mary. Um, I felt her. It was overwhelming. This is not something that anyone could ever forget. It's the feeling that was most memorable, although I did see her. You know, it's the magnitude of it I felt then. It was just that overwhelming love of it all. Anna, did you know who the Blessed Mother was when you were five, or did you just have this feeling and then you told someone and they told you who it was? How did you make this connection? Well, I was being raised Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, you know, like they, like all little kids get dragged to church. I was dragged to church. I, I mean, I was only five, so I didn't, you know, really understand who Mary was, but um, I knew it was her. I knew it was her. I knew it was Mary. I went into the house and I, my mother was sitting at the table smoking a cigarette and reading the newspaper or some magazine or something. And I said to her, you know, I, I saw Mary. And um, because my mother was used to me saying that I was seeing things because I, you know, I'm a born medium, mm-hmm. you know, she really wasn't shaken by it. And she said, okay, you know, what did she say? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and I knew it was Mary. She didn't look like the Mary in churches, um, but it was so peaceful and she was so beautiful that I just knew. I knew. So what happened from that time? Did Mary stay with you throughout the years? Did you push it aside and then revisit it as you got older? Mary's always been with me, but she was my personal Mary. Mm -hmm. I didn't share this with the world. You know, I mean, I've been talking about her through my life. You know, people may know that, you know, I have a devotion to Mary, but she was my Mary. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't necessarily giving her messages out over the years, but she's never left me. She's been with me through the happy times and, you know, the times when I was struggling. She's always been the go-to. And it's not that I pray to Mary. Um, she's always prayed with me. Um, she's been, you know, the, the, the fount of wisdom for me. Um, I listen to her. I follow what she's saying to me, whether she's giving it to me symbolically or with words or however she's giving it to me. She's, she's been there for me. She helped me through the struggles of conception when I couldn't conceive. She's always been. She's been with me my entire life. I, too, was raised Catholic, and, and I, too, have a strong devotion to Mary. My mother even passed away on Assumption Day, so it's mm. actually a very special story for me as well. And I, too, believe that we can all receive messages when we become aware of it. But mm-hmm. do you believe that you were chosen for a purpose? Are you doing something with these messages that many of us don't do? Yeah, I was definitely chosen for a purpose. When I asked her, why me? 
she said, because you're going to get the word out. You know, there's a, she's appearing to a lot of people, okay? Whether it's appearing or they're hearing her or they're feeling her, the feeling is, I mean, insurmountable. But yeah, um, she wants these messages brought forward. You know, she wants to bring us the ability to find peace in this world. She wants to give us the tools. She wants to answer the questions, you know, the age-old questions that so many people have been asking. And she, we're ready for it. We're at a period in time where we're allowed to choose to go deeper spiritually. And she's saying, we're ready. We're ready. And, and, it, so and I see through. it is happening, Anna, because the more and more people that I meet through my work and, and just people in my life, you can see that there's, there's something that's changing. It, it's mm-hmm. like we had this period where people were very devout and faithful. And then we went through this period where we felt like we could do it on our own. And mm-hmm. it seems now that people are turning back. And I think that this is such an important message for, as you said, this time in our world. Something is shifting. Well, first of all, there yes, there's definitely a shift and people have been feeling it. But, you know, I think we went from people who followed, you know, the doctrines of their religion into now having the choice to choose. In terms of what she's told me, that choice to to follow love, which is God, the great love, really, you know, her messages are about breaking down the boundaries between us. You know, this book is a non-denominational book, so she's speaking to all of us because we are all we are all creations of the great creator. And she's saying that if unless we break down these boundaries, unless we see each other as all brothers and sisters coming from this one great source, we're never going to have peace. You know, um, the the struggle for supremacy and power, you know, is is breaking us down. The lack of love that we show ourselves, the lack of love that we show each other, whether in our families, our communities, our country, and globally, you know, can be changed by going back to the basics, keeping it simple, being compassionate. Whether you follow the words of Jesus or Buddha, they're all the same. It's about being compassionate, and we can find that and raise our vibration. And as we raise our vibration, as we're kind and we love, we go closer into the vibration of God. And as we go into the vibration of God, there's a purification. And, you know, we all need to do this. Through your work, you have an understanding that we're not alone. And I think so often so many of us feel that we are alone, that we have to do this alone. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about how you understand that assistance is there for us if we learn how to tap into it. Well, you know, it's so sad when people feel so lonely when we're surrounded by so much that, you know, we may not be able to see. The angels, you know, they've been been messengers of God from the get-go, and they guide us. We all have a guardian angel, and we all have angels around us, and they guide us. Now, they can't affect our free will, just like our spirit guides can't, but they can show us things and lead us in the direction. And again, you know, we have this thing called free will that's good sometimes and not so good sometimes because we get to choose, but they lead us there. The same thing with our spirit guides. You know, our spirit guides have walked the earth as human beings and they choose to be with us. You know, they also are there to protect us and to help us. That feeling you get in your gut, that intuition, they affect our intuition that so many people walk away from because they can't rationalize it. You know, there's a reason that it's mind, body, spirit. You know, our mind plays a part, our gut plays a part, our soul plays a part, you know, and our body plays a part. We have to keep all of them healthy and exercise them. Everybody has intuition. Everybody has a soul. You know, it's the ability to go into it. And, you know, it's the way to do that truly is through prayer and meditation. How can we learn to listen? How can we hear the messages from our guides, from Mary, from God? You know, and I get this question all the time because we live in a society where we're taught to overprocess and to think. The way to do that is to set yourself up to reinforce what you're doing. So you pick a quiet place where you can shut down your mind, but you you have to be in a place that reinforces it. No telephone, no, you know, no TV on. I don't think music should be on. Um, and then you just sit quietly. You pull in the white light to protect you, which is the energy of God. You may say an intention. You may say a prayer to connect you, you know, to the highest realm. And then you you sit quietly and you follow your breath you know breath breathe in breathe out you know let the breath come in through your belly okay so it's not coming from a shallow place in your chest and you breathe in and you breathe out and you let your you you kind of let your mind sit next to you when you get that monkey chatter in your mind which is your ego saying what are you doing this is Mm -hmm. not right this is crazy like no 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 you can't just sit here because you need to wash clothes or you need to go (laughs) pick up you know your child you know and you need to think about this 
you push it aside and you say, I respect these thoughts, but I will go back to you when I'm finished because this is a gift of myself of 10 minutes. Um, The more you practice that, the easier it will become. I read in your book that you had never even considered writing a book. And Mm -hmm. then you were given that idea and and immediately, almost immediately, you were given a publisher and the book happened. Mm -hmm. and, And so you knew it was something that was meant to be. We get that kind of guidance on a regular basis. We get these ideas, but then we let our logical mind push those away. Are those great ideas? Is that our guidance? And how can we discern what is guidance and what are our thoughts? Well, absolutely. We all we all get that. Okay. Um, And in pushing it away, it's rejecting heaven. Okay. And in that way, it's not trusting. It's not having faith. I live in surrender to God. Now, I'm a normal person. Um, You know, I'm not a nun. You know, I, I, I don't live my life that way. I have two sons, a husband, a mother, you know, friends, you know, I I walk among the masses, so to speak. But I listen, I really listen. You know, when the idea for the book came, it really wasn't even an idea. You know, I had gone to Medjugorje where Mary has been appearing for 37 years. I got nothing out of this trip. I came home and I said to her, I don't understand why I didn't, why I had to go. All my friends got something out of this, but I didn't. Why? And she said very loudly, you will be my platform. And what I said was, in pure faith, okay, you open the door and I will do what you want me to do. And two weeks later, someone from Simon & Schuster wound up at a reading and told me I should write a book about Mary. That was it. That was such a clear sign. Mm-hmm. How clear it could have been. I didn't have an agent. I wasn't looking to write a book. These are the things that people say, oh, wow, isn't that something? Well, isn't that something? So what does it mean? What does it mean? Follow it through. You know, if it's, heaven only brings you good, only good. Nothing bad is going to come from heaven. You know, I walk where I'm led. It's, I walk in faith. And I think so many people are so afraid. It's fear. You know, fear is the opposite of love. You can't have faith if you're blocked by fear. It's so wonderful not to have fear. Well, and it's so interesting the things that you're saying, because that is exactly how my life has been governed. What I'm doing now is the craziest thing. And it came out of the ashes of what I had to experience. And Mm -hmm. I surrendered. And now I'm talking to people like you. And I'm doing this work. And I truly believe in following those thoughts, even when they seem crazy, because mm-hmm. they lead you to the most amazing places and they, they lead you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And it's pretty wonderful. And, you know, surrendering doesn't mean that you do nothing. You know, so many people, when I say surrender it, they look at me like, okay, so I just wait. No, you don't just wait. Mm-hmm. You know, you live your life. And when you, you know, you get the guidance in whatever way it's coming to you, you have to act. You have to walk through the door. You know, that's what you have to do. You just can't say, okay, heaven, now do it. That's not how it works. Anna, what do you say to the skeptics who say you're not getting messages from Mary? You know what? I I can't make everybody believe, you know, what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. If they believe, they believe. You know, all I ask is that they open up their hearts, you know, and, and read. Read what she's saying. Open up your heart. You know, you might, you know, they might have a miraculous transformation. You know, the greatest miracles are, are changing people's hearts to come closer, you know, to God, to come closer to that realm. That's all I ask is open hearts. The book is Conversations with Mary, Messages of Love, Healing, Hope, and Unity for Everyone. If you would like to get more information about Anna and her work, you can visit her website, AnnaRamondi.com. And in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I'd like to leave them with a sense of hope that this world can change. Mary says it can, that there can be peace on earth, but it's got to begin with each individual. You know, we, we have to have we have to have this love in our lives and the hope that we can have a better tomorrow. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your story and for sharing the messages from Mary. These messages of love, hope, peace, they are needed so much more I think today than ever before. Mm -hmm. So I am so happy that you are here and that you are sharing this with us. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to do so. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Do all leaders have followers? Well, not exactly. Leading others defined as formal leadership is only part of the full picture. As a leader, the most important person you will ever lead is you. To most effectively lead others, consider mastering the art of self-leadership. Understand who you are and what gives your life value. Establish your life's purpose and pursue it with confidence, skill, and commitment. Know where you're going and how you're going to get there. Leadership of others begins with leadership of self, and leadership of self begins with the development of your personal potential. In order to become more of a leader, you need to become more of you. Everyone has leadership potential. We've seen it with emergencies where people step up to the plate and become heroes. We observe leadership daily by supposed non-leaders in more routine everyday situations. Parents assume a leadership role in the home, and in social settings, someone assumes a role to influence where the group will go or what they'll do. Although everyone has the potential to lead, few develop it. Why? Some may not be aware that the opportunity for growth exists, others may not know where to begin, and still others don't take the time or make the effort to understand the process. The success of our business organizations and our society depends on the effectiveness of our leaders, just like you. If you would like to learn more, call me, Bertha Robinson, 732-705-5060, or visit staronprofessional.com. Hi, this is Mark Anthony with a quick path tip. What does your breath and fat have in common? Carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. At a basic level, all fat is made up of carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. Now, I bet you are not aware that roughly 80% of your fat loss happens when you exhale. How can that be, you ask? Take a big deep breath in. Now exhale. Let's take a look at what happened in that breath cycle. Most of what you breathed in was O2, or oxygen. The oxygen that you breathed in connected to the carbon and hydrogen atoms in your fat. The hydrogen turns into water and the carbon turns into carbon dioxide, the air you breathe out. Since the carbon in fat weighs more than the hydrogen, roughly 80% of your fat loss is exhaled as CO2. So what does this really come down to? Do exercises that cause heavy breathing. Whether you walk, run, lift weights, high intensity or low intensity, focus on your breath and revel in the fact that it's causing you to breathe away the inches on your waistline. For more information, please visit bestpathforme.com. Once again, that is bestpathforme.com. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. So how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life book club created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. Thanks for staying with us. Our next guest, Clelia Pergola, is the Chief Operating Officer of the New Jersey Elder Law Center at Goldberg Law Group. In that role, it's her mission to support caregivers in order to help them rise above the frustrating and emotional responsibilities they have in their families. Clelia is here today to talk about aging in place. Welcome, Clelia. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. I'm really excited to be here and talk about this. Collier, when it's the wish of a senior to remain at home while aging, what is often required to make a home elder-friendly? So there are so many things out there, but, you know, most importantly, you want to hire a, a, a company that can come in and assess your loved one and see what they need to age in place. So they could put in different things like, you know, grab bars and ramps. It's really, really important to pull up all the rugs, any runners, because those are things that will, will have you trip and fall, and that's just something that you, you don't want. But there are so many options to age in place that it really is specific to the type of home you have and the age and all the different situations that are going on. So after a person does a home assessment and you have a good idea of what can be modified to make it a safe environment, what are some of the services that are then available in the home? I know people are very confused about what type of help they can get and can you just shed some light on that and, and where they can begin to get this assistance? Sure. So the services that are provided at home are really run the gamut. I mean, especially right now, 
people are coming up with more creative ways to help someone stay at home. So obviously there is home care where an agent comes to the home, help the loved one uh, bathe and feed them, remind them to take their meds. There's nursing so they could do med pours and check, you know, vital statistics. There's also a wonderful service called the Jared Care Manager. And that person really is, I, I call it rent a daughter because it, it really is that. Uh, the person comes in, typically they have some sort of uh, nursing background uh, and or social work. And what they do is they sit with a family and assess the situation. They know all the questions to ask whether it be a crisis situation or an aging in place, and they make suggestions for the family so that they can have options or deal with a crisis at hand. And then, of course, we just talked about the home modification, and uh, there's daycare. So the person doesn't have to stay at home, isn't lonely, can go and interact and have some some entertainment throughout the day. And Claudia, are these programs always private pay or is there some reimbursement for them? So they're always going to be private pay options. And private pay is for people that are aging is the best option. But there are other ways that you can get some of these services. There's Medicare, which pays for some, but not a lot. Medicaid, again, pays for some, depending on the situation, it can be a lot. My grandmother personally was on Medicaid at home and it was a, I think it was a great program. Uh, but then there's also long-term care insurance. Long-term care insurance isn't what it, it used to be. It's not as robust, but now they have different products where they include life insurance policies. And that is something that is fairly inexpensive if you get it early enough in your, you know, 50s or 60s when there's nothing really wrong. Claudia, thank you so much for joining us. These are really difficult decisions to make and your guidance can help ease the burden. And if you'd like to learn more about Claudia and her work, you can visit ClaliaPergola.com. Or as always, to hear more from Claudia, you can visit our website, CYACYL.com slash Claudia. joining us, I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.